Chapter Twenty Five of the Marrow of Tradition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Marrow of Tradition by Charles Waddell Chestnut. Chapter Twenty Five. The Honor of a Family. Mr. Delamere's coachman, who, in accordance with instructions left by Miller, had brought the carriage around to the jail and was waiting anxiously at the nearest corner, drove up with some trepidation as he saw his master emerge from the prison. The old gentleman entered the carriage and gave the order to be driven to the office of the Morning Chronicle. According to Jerry, the porter, whom he encountered at the door, Carteret was in his office, and Mr. Delamere, with the aid of his servant, climbed the stairs painfully and found the editor at his desk carteret exclaimed mr delamere what is all this talk about lynching my man for murder and robbery and criminal assault it's perfectly absurd the man was raised by me he has lived in my house forty years he has been honest faithful and trustworthy he would no more be capable of this crime than you would or my grandson tom sandy has too much respect for the family to do anything that would reflect disgrace upon it my dear mr delamere asked carteret with an indulgent smile how could a negro possibly reflect discredit upon a white family i should really like to know how sir a white family raised him like all the negroes he has been clay in the hands of the white people they are what we have made them or permitted them to become we are not god mr delamere we do not claim to have created these masterpieces no but we thought to overrule god's laws and we enslaved these people for our greed and sought to escape the man-stealer's curse by laying to our souls the flattering unction that we were making of barbarous negroes civilized and christian men if we did not if instead of making them christians we have made some of them brutes we have only ourselves to blame and if these prey upon society it is our just punishment but my negroes carteret were well raised and well behaved this man is innocent of this offence i solemnly affirm and i want your aid to secure his safety until a fair trial can be had on your bare word sir asked carteret not at all moved by this outburst old mr delamere trembled with anger and his withered cheek flushed darkly but he restrained his feelings and answered with an attempt at calmness time was sir when the word of a delamere was held as good as his bond and those who questioned it were forced to maintain their skepticism upon the field of honor time was sir when the law was enforced in this state in a manner to command the respect of the world our lawyers our judges our courts were a credit to humanity and civilization i fear i have outlasted my epoch i have lived to hear of white men the most favored of races the heirs of civilization the conservators of liberty howling like red indians around a human being slowly roasting at the stake my dear sir said carteret soothingly 
you should undeceive yourself. This man is no longer your property. The Negroes are no longer under our control, and with their emancipation ceased our responsibility. Their insolence and disregard for law have reached a point where they must be sternly rebuked. The law, retorted Mr. Delamere, furnishes a sufficient penalty for any crime, however heinous, and our code is by no means lenient. To my old-fashioned notions, death would seem an adequate punishment for any crime, and torture has been abolished in civilized countries for a hundred years. It would be better to let a crime go entirely unpunished than to use it as a pretext for turning the whole white population into a mob of primitive savages, dancing in hellish glee around the mangled body of a man who has never been tried for a crime. All this, however, is apart from my errand, which is to secure your assistance in heading off this mob until Sandy can have a fair hearing and an opportunity to prove his innocence. How can I do that, Mr. Delamere? You are editor of the Morning Chronicle. The Chronicle is the leading newspaper of the city. This morning's issue practically suggested the mob. The same means will stop it. I will pay the expense of an extra edition, calling off the mob, on the ground that newly discovered evidence has shown the prisoner's innocence. But where is the evidence? asked Carteret. Again Mr. Delamere flushed and trembled. My evidence, sir. I say the negro was morally incapable of the crime. A man of forty-five does not change his nature overnight. He is no more capable of a disgraceful deed than my grandson would be. Carteret smiled sadly. I am sorry, Mr. Delamere, he said, that you should permit yourself to be so exercised about a worthless scoundrel who has forfeited his right to live. The proof against him is overwhelming. As to his capability of crime, we will apply your own test. You have been kept in the dark too long, Mr. Delamere. Indeed, we all have, about others as well as this negro. Listen, sir. Last night, at the Clarendon Club, Tom Delamere was caught cheating outrageously at cards. He had been suspected for some time. A trap was laid for him, and he fell into it. Out of regard for you and for my family, he has been permitted to resign quietly, with the understanding that he first pay off his debts, which are considerable. Mr. Delamere's face, which had taken on some color in the excitement of the interview, had gradually paled to a chalky white while Carteret was speaking. His head sunk forward. Already an old man, he seemed to have aged ten years in but little more than as many seconds. "'Can this be true?' he demanded in a hoarse whisper. "'Is it entirely authentic?' True as gospel, true as it is that Mrs. Ochiltree has been murdered, and that this negro killed her. Ellis was at the club a few minutes after the affair happened, and learned the facts from one of the participants. Tom made no attempt at denial. We have kept the matter out of the other papers, and I would have spared your feelings. I surely would not wish to wound them. But the temptation proved too strong for me, and it seemed the only way to convince you. It was your own test. If a gentleman of a distinguished name and an honorable ancestry, with all the restraining forces of social position surrounding him to hold him in check, can stoop to dishonor, what is the improbability of an illiterate negro's being at least capable of crime? Enough, sir, said the old gentleman. 
you have proved enough. My grandson may be a scoundrel. I can see, in the light of this revelation, how he might be, and he seems not to have denied it. I maintain, nevertheless, that my man Sandy is innocent of the charge against him. He has denied it, and it has not been proved. Carteret, I owe that negro my life. He and his father before him have served me and mine faithfully and well. I cannot see him killed like a dog, without judge or jury. No, not even if he were guilty, which I do not believe. Carteret felt a twinge of remorse for the pain he had inflicted upon this fine old man, this ideal gentleman of the ideal past, the past which he himself so much admired and regretted. He would like to spare his old friend any further agitation. He was in a state of health where too great excitement might prove fatal. But how could he? The negro was guilty, and sure to die sooner or later. He had not meant to interfere, and his intervention might be fruitless. Mr. Delamere, he said gently, there is but one way to gain time. You say the negro is innocent. Appearances are against him. The only way to clear him is to produce the real criminal, or prove an alibi. If you or some other white man of equal standing could swear that the negro was in your presence last night at any hour when this crime could have taken place, it might be barely possible to prevent the lynching for the present. And when he is tried, which will probably be not later than next week, he will have every opportunity to defend himself, with you to see that he gets no less than justice. I think it can be managed, though there is still a doubt. I will do my best for your sake, Mr. Delamere, solely for your sake, be it understood, and not for that of the negro, in whom you are entirely deceived. I shall not examine your motives, Carteret, replied the other, if you can bring about what I desire. Whatever is done, added Carteret, must be done quickly. It is now four o'clock. No one can answer for what may happen after seven. If he can prove an alibi, there may yet be time to save him. White men might lynch a negro on suspicion. They would not kill a man who was proven by the word of white men to be entirely innocent. I do not know, returned Mr. Delamere, shaking his head sadly. After what you have told me, it is no longer safe to assume what white men will or will not do. What I have learned here has shaken my faith in humanity. I am going away, but shall return in a short time. Shall I find you here? I will await your return, said Carteret. He watched Mr. Delamere pityingly as the old man moved away on the arm of the coachman waiting in the hall. He did not believe that Mr. Delamere could prove an alibi for his servant, and without some positive proof the negro would surely die as he well deserved to die. End of chapter 25 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista